Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, everyone. Adam Kipnis back on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Thanks for taking a listen today. Here on the podcast, we talk about the lessons you just can't learn in business school. When you are in your own business, when you're starting your own business, you learn as you go, and those lessons from fellow entrepreneurs are vital to your business. In my business, the 1495 Group and Coach Adam Kipnis, I focus on client attraction, how you attract clients now, and I encourage you to check out my book at freebookfromadam.com. It's got eight strategies to attract clients now without spending any money on marketing or advertising. So to attract clients, definitely download that book. And, but what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about client attraction, but we're really going to talk about seeing better results, lowering your costs, running a better business with a business strategy expert, a former um, executive at the Coca-Cola company, founder of Consequent Consulting. He applies his velocity advantage to companies to see those better results in less time and at lower costs. And whether your company is big or small, my guest, Jack Bergstrand, is definitely going to give you some great advice. Jack, thanks for the opportunity and thanks for being here today. Adam, it's great to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. So you started in probably a, tr- a re- relatively traditional path in getting a job and working your way up. You were an executive at Coca-Cola for a number of years. And it's some, something within you changed and you decided to go out on your own. Can you tell me a little bit about why did you deci- decide to do your own thing rather than just continuing the, the traditional corporate path that you were so successful in? It was a couple of things. Uh, one, one thought that comes to mind, I had been involved in the restructuring of the Coca-Cola system. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I had been involved in the restructuring of the Coca-Cola system in the bottling side and had looked at the consolidation of, of a lot of different companies and I was in Toronto and reading a book that Peter Drucker had written called Post-Capitalist Society. And he put words around what I had experienced uh, through something called knowledge work productivity. Because when I saw very successful changes, uh, knowledge was very productive. When they weren't successful, knowledge wasn't. And so that put something in the back of my mind in terms of something that I wanted to spend a lot more time with. As I went through the ranks, and at that time I was the chief financial officer of Coca-Cola Beverages, when I became chief information officer of the Coca-Cola company, I still wanted to do that, and I had that burning in my heart. And so I ended up leaving there at on my 43rd birthday, and largely the the thing that I wanted to do was not only pursue this whole area of knowledge, work, productivity, and business, but I also didn't want another year of experience 20 more times, and I wanted 20 more years of experience, and that really required that I that I start something new. 
That's a really interesting way to think about it. So, so it wasn't so much the, the entrepreneurial journey to do your own thing as much as it was the new experiences you could gain rather than furthering the current experience you had. Yeah, a big part of it was interacting with different industries that I wouldn't have had the chance to interact with. Also starting something from a clean sheet of paper, which you really can't do very easily when you're an executive for a, a very large global company. So what, was, what was the first thing you did? Was it, did you start this on paper in your head? Um, obviously, you wanted to, to dig into the, the knowledge base thinking more, but did you start that or did you make a clean break and then say, what am I going to do now and then go forward? I guess was I it had, a planned transition? <laughs> it was definitely a planned transition. I had founded the company and was ready to leave a couple of years earlier than I actually left. And so it was a placeholder company for a couple of years. And other than pursuing a trademark and having a corporation, there was really nothing that happened uh, while I was still at Coke. Once I left Coke, I spent the first four years in research. So went through about 50,000 pages of documents, began to integrate the thinking of the people who I thought were the best thought leaders out there, not only in business, but elsewhere, and created the framework and methodology behind Consequent and what we use today. And then after about four years, when that was complete, uh, began to apply it in, in the consulting practice. Fantastic. And, and so, so you did a tremendous amount of research on your topic, probably on, on different industries, on, um, on everything you would need to know. Looking back, what would you have done different to speed up that time frame, or do you think you could have speed, sped up that time frame to shorten that four-year time frame? I think, I think you could very easily jump right into consulting and then take the business where you wanted to want to take it um, and just get pulled by your customers. And there's nothing wrong with that, and it would be faster. I think for me, because I was looking at this over a 20-year time horizon, I wasn't that rushed on the front end, and I wanted to make sure that the thinking that I had was clear before we started trying to apply it to, to companies. Although it certainly could have happened faster without that step, but I don't think it would have happened better. Interesting. So, so you had the luxury of, of, of taking some time, but also because you took time when you started working with clients, your success was probably faster and better for them. Yeah, better, faster, and I think more. Uh, I think the the application of it was a lot broader, um, where we could bring more of our thinking to the client rather than just uh, basically selling a job to be done and doing it. Very cool. And many small business owners that I work with don't see how large company 
methodologies, large company success, large company lessons translate to their business. They say, I'm just one person or we're just four people. We can't um, learn from Coca-Cola. It's, it's not the same thing. Now, you've worked for Coca-Cola. You work with a lot of large companies, but you are a small company. What lessons did, can you take from your large company experience that do help you in your small business and other small business owners out there? There are a couple of ways to look at it. We're a small company that works with large companies, so the problems that we work on are the same kinds of problems that I worked on at Coca-Cola. So from that standpoint, there isn't that much of a difference on the work. But on the other hand, there's a huge difference. And and then when you look at starting from a clean sheet of paper, I think there's a lot that can be learned from a Coca-Cola or any other large organization in that it requires a systematic approach. Now, that systematic approach may be, you know, all in your head, you know, as a, as a founder, but there is a component, you know, that you have to look at, you know, the, the administrative part as well as the marketing part as well as the service that you've got all of these things that may be done by thousands of people in a large organization, while you might not do them exactly the same way, I think you do need to, to sort through them to see how you want to create your company and grow the company. And, and, the, and the big benefit when you're a founder is you can do it the way you want to do it and in a way that fulfills you as, a, as an individual as opposed to needing to um, to do something that is either the, the policy of the company that you work in or the preference of the boss who you work for. So true. And when, when you work with within a large company, they, they become sort of uh, each department is, is almost like its own company. Certainly it has the company culture, but it, it, it has its own its own direction, its own way of doing things. And in a small business, we might have vendors, we might have um, outsource partners, we might have business partners that we work with. And you've got great experience in bringing those pieces together to probably be more cohesive for, for success in, in working with a lot of cross-functional teams. Are there, are there certain steps or a system that you implement when you go into a company in order to um, get people more aligned so they can be more successful? Yeah, for sure. I think the the first part, and this is true whether you're a large company or a small one, although I think it's slightly more difficult, but not that much more difficult in a large one, and that's to get the right people in the same room at the same time. And the difference in terms of speed and the amount of aggravation uh, that you can avoid by getting the key stakeholders together and and getting clear on where you intend to go and why, what you therefore need to do and when. I apologize. That's right. Uh, one of the key things as you take a look at uh, getting work done in large and small companies is to get the right people in the room so that you can co-create where you intend to go and 
why, what you therefore need to do and when, how to best do those things, and who's going to be responsible for what. It sounds extremely simple, but when you start looking at companies or cross-functional initiatives, typically the stakeholders are thinking different things at the same time, and sometimes they think they're working together on the same thing, but as it turns out, they're not. The, the problem then becomes six months from now is when you find that out. And is that when people call you, when, when they finally find that out and they figure out that, that it's, it's not functioning the way they, they put it on paper six months earlier? For the first part of the company, it was almost always that, where um, there was an initiative that had faltered. Usually they were very large-scale initiatives, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, today, it's more getting it right on the front end. And this is where I think whether you're a small company or a large one, the same principles are, are in effect. You know, even if you're planning a family vacation, it's good to understand where you're going to go and why before you decide, uh, decide to think about how you're going to get there. And so getting, you know, these four things in the right order from the right people can help you get started much faster and get finished much quicker. And when you got started, you, you said you, you did four years of research and reading and, and planning, but you still had to get that first client. Now, in your role, at your roles at Coke, you probably had a pretty large Rolodex. You knew a lot of people. People knew your talents, but you still had to get that first one. How did you get that first one, and what was the process? The first one uh, started with a, a relationship. And, and I think ultimately, and you're, you're an expert in this area, but I think ultimately without a relationship, it may not have to be a long established one, but nobody is going to bring you on board versus the other alternatives that they've either worked with or have heard about uh, unless there's something about their relationship with you that makes them want to do business with you. So when we started, uh, the relationship was very important. The methodology that we use also establishes a broader base of relationships. Uh, we have tools that um, help bring people together and build relationships within the clients themselves, and then that creates demand. But largely, it's relationship-based, um, and then it's word of mouth, and then it expands from there. And at what point did you know that your consulting firm, that, that Consequent, was going to be successful and, and be ongoing versus getting a client here or there? Was there, was there a turning point or a, 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 um, a, a I guess, a, 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 a day that said, all right, we're, we're for real? Now let's really go and, and grow this. One, one place where I think it was clearly real was when we were endorsed by the Drucker Institute at, where we were 
Well, we were endorsed by the Drucker Institute and referred to in Business Week at that time, the smartest company you've never heard of. And the linkage between the research that we had done, the passion that I'd had many years before, the relationship that that had with Drucker, and then the linkage into our clients was at a point where I think we had what we needed to, to succeed. Fantastic. So you got you, you had success, you had a methodology, you had, I guess today we would call it social proof through Business Week and through the Drucker Institute, and those things coming together allowed the business to begin to thrive. Yeah, I think those were the, the fundamental parts of it, and then everything that, that matters, at least to me, other than that, happened within a client. And so the ability to influence people within an organization, have them to begin to uh, embrace and then adopt the methodology that, that is ours and then see it apply in a lot of different circumstances, all of that reinforces something that's probably more meaningful, and that's seeing the stuff work day-to-day uh, -day and in people's lives. That's great. And, and so you're able to transform businesses and therefore lives of the, the people you're working directly for and the employees that, are, that benefit from it. But you're doing that on a business-to-business on a -business basis. And then you wrote your book, or somewhere in this process you wrote The Velocity Advantage, so more people could get access to this information versus one-on-one. -on -one. What was the impetus of the book, and what are some of the, of the points that, that folks who read it can really pull out and, and implement in their business? The Velocity Advantage was written as a result of the research that I had talked about before, but then in addition to that, the application over about a decade so that the two could come together to be a pretty easy way to glean what I thought anyway was most important in those 50,000 pages, but then also what seemed to work best when people were working on cross-functional initiatives, struggling with them, and then succeeding with them. You took the research and then proved it in, with real teams, and, we're, uh, and now you have a book that describes that. That's fantastic, and it, it's a great way not only to know information is wonderful, but information implemented with a story behind it is a great learning tool. And has that led to, obviously, probably speaking engagements and more clients, but how have you used the book in your business, if at all? The book is used very often in the business itself. We have collaborative sessions which effectively get people on an, on an area that's very important to their companies on the same page, headed in a single direction. We have something that's sort of like a Myers-Briggs for cross-functional initiatives that we call strategic profiling, and, and, and that all gets laid out in the book. And, and so when we have these sessions, we, we give people – uh, access to the book ahead of time just so that they can uh, understand what it is we're about to do and then they can take it with them afterwards and and begin to practice this methodology not only on the things that we are working with them on but on the things that we aren't working with them on.
Great. Do as the business has continued to grow and, and as um, you've helped more and more companies, referrals and your network are are probably always going to be part of your business. But but how does your business think about getting more clients, helping more people? There are two two parts of it. One is is organically through the use of strategic profiling and and the other things that that we do. And so cross-functional initiatives tend to to breed other cross-functional initiatives within companies. And so within companies, that's the way that it that it tends to grow. In addition to that, there's the the external marketing that we do around the book in particular and strategic profiling, action planning, and our project management lifecycle secondarily. It's aimed at two different markets. But largely, we try to get people to benefit from the book. Once we have people benefit from the book, there are then applications that they can use within their own companies. I want to come back to the first one. So, because I love this, and this is, if I heard you correctly, this is something that I use with my clients all the time, and it's a big part of growing a business, is you go to work for a large company, and you have success within that company or that department, and it sounds like you get referred to, introduced to, or um, that the company sees that success, and then they utilize you in different areas of the company. Is that correct? That's right. And that is a, a huge point for everyone listening. It's seven times cheaper to keep a client and get additional business from a client than it is to get a new client. And Jack and his company are able to do multiple projects within a company. Therefore, he doesn't have to market in, in your small business. Um, whatever it may be, there are always opportunities for a client to need additional services that you have. So while Jack does it in large companies where different departments may know about him and use his company's services, in a small business, no matter what it is you do, once you have a client, there's something else they need, and you can develop a product or service, or you can help within that. So that's a really important point and really interesting uh, to me, so thank you for bringing that up because it's something that translates to every business is how do you help your clients more, um, and it's a faster path to growth. So I appreciate that. And then the second part, uh, on the marketing side and the book, what are some lessons you've learned along the way, positive and negative, that now you've sort of honed your craft a little bit better to do your marketing better? A big part of it is that nothing is done in isolation. So it's it's not a matter of, of simply looking at a book or simply looking at an engagement or in building a relationship. But rather, it's not about simply building a book or simply creating a relationship or or starting an engagement. It's how everything is connected together. And so if you can connect a personal relationship with a book, with the, the methodology that is used to help them achieve the results that, that they want to achieve, 
as these things grow together, it becomes much more of a of a beachhead because you can't get displaced simply by a different book or by a different methodology or by a different relationship as easily because they're all connected. That's so true. So true. And um, it's seeing those connections and then acting upon them that, that is ultimately critical. That leads me to, to really my final question for you, and that is there are a number of companies, big or small, department heads, people who are running a business unit that, that have some sort of dysfunction or chaos within their group or in interacting with, with counterparts, with interacting with other, other departments, and they're stuck. How, what is your advice to those people? How do, can they get over the hump to hire a firm like yours or bring in a consultant or look for outside help? What's the one piece of advice you could give to people that are stuck but they don't know what to do next? The biggest thing, and I think this is true whether you're large or small, and, and we have clients that are in the 60,000 to 80,000 employee ranges and that's just and that's it's just as true for them as it is for companies that might have 500 employees because in both cases for any major initiative it is relatively few people who are actually the drivers of the success or failure of the initiative. And if you get those few people in the same room at the same time and then work through a single game plan for success, then you have the clarity that's necessary to get something implemented productively. And the larger the organization, um, the more empty calories that you uh, can get rid of because you're clear on the front end and people aren't guessing uh, throughout the, the process. So it does speed things up significantly, large or small, uh, and it helps reduce a tremendous amount of aggravation because in any large initiative, uh, the, the failure rates are around 70% when there's technology and organizational change both involved. And so getting it right on the front end can reduce a tremendous amount of heartache later on down the road. Great advice. Appreciate it. And for everyone listening, um, you can get Jack's book, The Velocity Advantage, at C-N-S-Q-T-N-T. Sorry, C-S-C-N-S-Q-N-T. C-N-S-Q-N-T.com. And just click on the Velocity Advantage. His book is available there. It's also available on Amazon, Google Play, and Barnes and Noble. I really appreciate the time and and the advice and the the research that you did that led to the information now that you can provide to others. Any parting thoughts for our listeners um, on what what you help with and and how you you they can be successful based on what you've learned? 
I think the biggest thing is to do something that you think is important and that you like to do. And whether you're a founder of a small company or a CEO of a large one, I think that advice is just as true in that case and every case in between. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jack. Adam, thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.